This is Dai Zhenshu EX, the podcast episode Magical 291 for the week of March 4th, 2012. Hey, hey, welcome to Dai Zhenshu EX, the podcast and extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Although we got two of them again this week. Dai Zhenshu EX, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. It is indeed magical 291 for an episode number. It's a magical number because there are 291 episodes of Dragon Ball Z and it seems like a significant fun number. To join me in celebrating this magical number, I'm outnumbered this episode. Our buddies from Konzentai, we have both Hujio and we have Herms. He your name is Hujio. I guess it's the other way around, but welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. We're taking over. You are taking over. I'm kind of frightened. Yes. Well, you should be, because it's coming. It's coming. What's coming? I don't know. The revolution. The wrath. <laughs> the rapture. We're bringing our own rapture to Z- Daisenshu EX. All right. Whatever it takes. I don't really care. And also joining us, your comrade from Kanzentai, Herms. Jake, sir, welcome to the show again. Hello. It's been a while, I guess. Uh, Not all that long. You were here recently talking about Dr. Slump. That was three episodes ago, man. Ah, that's right. How time flies. And then I kind of uh, indirectly took over the episode after that. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. You were there in spirit the entire time. So you two, you're joining me this episode. I guess I kind of need to toss it out there. If these two dudes are here, Jeff's not here. We're not doing our Dragon Ball GT review of awesomeness number three. I got to say, though, it was scheduled this week. Jeff was ready to come over, but he did have a family emergency and family takes uh, precedence here at Casa de EX. We wish everyone the best, but instead, uh, I've got some backup guys here to talk about. Well, initially, we were going to do an entire episode about three people, and then Heath, you kind of took over over for me here working on the outline we're doing just one dude yes we are we are doing minoru maeda and who is that he is the chief animator from dragon ball and dragon ball z ah all right so we're gonna do a little biography sort of topic here we in are this episode. we decided to cover one person because three people would just be rather insane and then we can split up content. Amongst <laughs> that's the right. That's right. That's our plan here is just to create more content for ourselves down the road. But Maeda is uh, an extremely important figure in Dragon Ball history and production. So I'm kind of excited to talk about him. And I'm even more excited because I'm just here to be a, a pretty voice and guide the discussion. You did all the topic work And here. to drink. That's right. Uh, I'm celebrating. It's 291. Come on, man. I know. I've got a beer. Okay. Good enough. So you guys are going to join me on that. You're going to join me for the news as well. It's kind of a accidentally slapped together episode, but I think we're going to celebrate Dragon Ball and celebrate 291 episodes the way that we celebrate here on the show. And that's by providing great, engaging, informative content. That's what we're all about. So, oh geez, I just want to jump into the news because we got some cool stuff and news and topic and we got an episode. Let's do it. All right, so we got a couple tidbits of news. I can't remember. I think we did news last time on the show. I, man, this last week has been a disaster of uh, workloads. I don't know what's going on. The first bit of news, I feel awful about this. The stupid magazine sat 
on my kitchen table literally for an entire week. I even took pictures of it, but it took someone else looking inside the magazine to notice, hey, the reprint of episode of Bardock and the April V Jump. Yeah, it's got two new pages in it. That's research for you. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you can't just imagine every time they re-release something, there's going to be extra material because they rarely ever do that. Exactly. I mean, I popped it open. It's like, yep, it's in here. Oh, hey, I put up a picture on Twitter. You know, it's kind of an insert within the magazine. Unfortunately, it's not the, the full size page of V-Jump. But also, unfortunately, you can't just take it out. It's not perforated in any way. So it's kind of this many things stuck inside. It's extremely inconvenient. That's what I was going to ask. Because when they released her version of the JSAT special, yeah, yeah. they were actual separate booklets yes. that you could just take out. You could take it. Was it the kind of thing where it's perforated on the opposite side so it could... No, they were completely separate, just like oh, okay. stuffed underneath the cover. Gotcha. Right, like well, they're stapled together and everything. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, this was not, so that kind of sucked. Damn it. But Jake, I want to kick it over to you. You took a brief look at these pages and you noticed that it's kind of mirroring the anime adaptation of Episode of Bardock. What did they do here? And by they, I guess just Naho Oishi that drew these two pages. Well, I never actually did get around to watching the anime version, but <laughs> okay. from, from what I hear... Here, this is essentially what happens in the ending. And so, you know, the original version ended with Chill's death, and he uh, tells his henchmen to pass on to his clan to warn them about science whose hair turns gold. And then that's where it ended, and there was this, just a note in the margin saying that this uh, legend was passed down through free, uh, through Chilled's clan. Right. And so, na- but now, with these extra two pages, it starts off with the narrator, an actual page with the narrator, saying that thing about it being passed on through Chilled's clan, and this being the basis for the legend. And then it gets back to Bardock on a planet plant, and he just kind of, you know, he's looking at himself now that he's super signed, he's like, what happened? And he turns back to normal, and then he just kind of walks off into the sunset, yeah. and all the stock-eyed people wave goodbye. Yeah, that, that's a complaint we had about the TV adaptation. Uh, Heath, you, myself, and Mary reviewed that, right? Correct, okay. sir. Okay. I remember when we were talking about that. It was the, the TV version, well, I don't know, TV version, the animated version, took that whole heroic thing just a step too far with that. He's smiling, he's so content, but not in a sick and twisted way, like he's literally happy. And then he yeah. walks off into the sunset with this heroic tune in the background going and everyone's cheering i don't know about Bardock this song. Yeah, yeah yeah it's just really kind of weird and so i guess oishi adapted it back into her own manga in a way maybe she liked it i and, guess but then it's also kind of a weird throwback to the fact that Toriyama pulled in bardock into the original yeah manga yeah right after the tv special came i know out. that's so weird so, it's kind of weird. Heath, I do want to ask you, what was Oishi's credit for the animated adaptation? Was it also supervisor or contributor? Yes. She was, well, I almost want to say a producer, okay. if I remember correctly. All right. So I'm fairly sure she had input, which then could suggest that she actually came up with this yeah, idea. maybe it's her idea, later. sure. But it is just weird because we never see this stuff happen. And I was so mad when you posted this because <laughs> I, know. I could not believe you, of all people, would overlook this. I know. I felt really, really bad about it. And I usually... I'm sure Mary just laughed at she you. She did. She totally did. Silly she totally Mike. laughed at me. And I expect that. And I deserve that. So there you go. That was news. All right. So the next thing here, 
Uh, Heath, again, this is something you and I were talking about when more debacles were going down with Zikai over here in the U.S. There was news that parts one through four were being discontinued in favor of season versions. So one and two were going to become season one and three and four were going to become season two. And of course, that ties into the Kenji Yamamoto score. Those four volumes were the ones that got released here before the debacle went down. Those still had it. We're expecting these to have the Kikuchi score, but who knows? Funimation could do something crazy again and accidentally release it with Yamamoto. We have no idea. But there was concern over whether or not part seven and eight would come out to finish up the single releases isn't really the right way to describe it because they are two disc volumes on both DVD and mm-hmm. Blu-ray. But we'll call them the singles just for clarity here. The parts the parts. So part seven was still due out the end of March. As far as we knew, they said it was coming out. It is indeed still coming out. Right stuff as per the norm for right stuff is sending it out several weeks early. Uh, Our forum user Travis touchdown got it in, took pictures of it for us. Dudes, it's real. It exists. It is an entire month ahead of schedule. I know. I know. So not only is it done, but it's totally ready to go out there. So he uh, tossed up some pictures for us as legitimate proof. It's coming. It sounds like the uh, dragon soul because they've been doing like different. Someone sings it different Mm, every time. They have a different voice actor from Funimation. Right. Sing dragon soul at the beginning. So I think it's like a duet overlapping kind of version this time. There's a trailer that confirms part eight is going to be coming out. So really two bits of news here. Seven and eight are coming out. Seven's ready. And part eight is going to include episode 98, which was the unaired episode over in Japan that was due to play the um, when the earthquake and tsunami went down um, and Toriko ended up coming along. So that ended up on just the DVD and Blu-ray. It will be DVD and Blu-ray over here. I was only half paying attention. It ended up on the Nicktoons website, I'm pretty sure, episode 98, but didn't air on TV. Did anyone really I pay attention? that's correct. From what I remember, people on Twitter talked about it. I read it, but I don't have Nicktoons, so... Right, right. It's not no something idea. we all actively keep up with, that side of things. So it, it does exist. It's coming. That's going to finish up. So if you uh, want to complete your parts, that's a way to do it. Of course, it's got the Kikuchi score, so that's something to keep in mind. It was episodes 96 and 97 that broadcast exclusively with the Kikuchi score because that's after that went down. Mm -hmm. And then 98, of course, uh, came out DVD Blu-ray with Kikuchi. So is there anything else to say about that? I guess we're glad to see there were six months in between volumes or parts six and seven. It's coming out. Hooray. I'm still kind of curious why it took so long because all they're doing is swapping out music. I don't know if Toei said here we're gonna send you the exact music to use and it just took forever or what happened yeah there could have been a whole bunch of things that went down with this. I'm sure they have the video yeah, oh yeah. For a long time They've now. I mean, the forever. series has been over. Yeah, yeah. So. Something happened and it's going to resolve itself. They got caught up with other Blu-ray issues and they, they couldn't really get back to this. That's right. All right. So last bit of news we have. I was really slow on this. I've been busy, but I wanted to get back to it. I'm so glad I did because it gets more and more fascinating every quarter now that Dragon Ball Kai is over. The Namkabande quarter three fiscal 2012 figures. Wow. All right. So they posted a profit. You know, they've been doing pretty well. That's that's great. I'm excited for them. Unlike the last several quarters though, Dragon Ball actually performed well enough. They're showing back up in that they've got about five or six top performing franchises. 
is. It's back in there. So now we can kind of plug in some sales figures over the last year when they weren't showing up in there. This is very exciting. Because mm-hmm. we like numbers. I love numbers. I, I totally get off on this. So the three quarters so far for fiscal year 2012, they have net sales of 6.7 billion yen for the franchise. That's up from the previous year's three quarters. We didn't know this number, I don't think. I'd have to go back and check. Of 4.9 billion yen for those same three quarters. They're forecasting full year net sales total. This is interesting because it's quite a jump up there of 10.5 billion for the fiscal year up from last year's 8.3 billion. And I want to compare that because fiscal 2009 was 15.8 billion. Fiscal 2010, 12.5 billion. Fiscal 2011, 8.3 billion. You can see there's drop, drop, drop. It's back on the upswing, though. They're forecasting 8.3 billion yen net sales for this fiscal year. I do want to keep going, though, because general toys and hobby merchandise, which is where Dragon Ball has still been reported over the last year or so, the the franchise as a whole not doing great, but the toys and the hobby stuff has been doing okay. It jumped up in net sales from 1.7 billion yen the same three quarters last year to 3.2 billion yen this uh, three quarters. They're forecasting 4.0 billion for the full year. That's up from 2.7 billion they had last year. And then in terms of video games, nothing Dragon Ball was reported there. The last one they did report was One Piece. Is it Gigant Battle 2? Is that how they're pronouncing that? That sounds right well well i don't know what the i mean it, or gigant in Jap- yeah in japanese it's gigant but i don't know what the proper english because it's from the greek i guess yeah, greek yeah. for giant okay so i don't know what the proper thing in english could because this all gets very <laughs> exactly so that game i think it's a ds game that was the last one they reported there that did three hundred fifty thousand units in japan so that means as expected of course ultimate blast ultimate tenkaichi worldwide probably did significantly less than 350,000. All right. So with all that in mind, there's a lot of numbers being thrown at you. Again, I say fascinating Dragon Ball ripped off of TV. The franchise starts doing better in terms of just overall health. You give people Dragon Ball. They don't want it. You take it away and they want it. Mm-hmm. It's like mind blowing. Though I guess when they gave it to them, they didn't really give people what they wanted. So, well, yeah, fair enough. I guess turnabout's fair play i gotta ask what's the hobby merchandise driving this is it it's strange because dragon ball heroes is video game but it's arcade related and it's got all this ancillary merchandise like all the cards of course so if Mm -hmm. you're just collecting cards you don't even necessarily play the game so what's driving it over there what do you guys think keep hearing they come out with more and more stuff for that so i have to imagine it's doing at least all right yeah just heroes alone contributing new character designs you can play in the arcade if you want that stuff i mean it drove a whole new series well anime adaptation not really series well why don't you clarify that because there's no dragon ball heroes animated adaptation i don't want people to take that as what you said right correct okay so what i'm speaking specifically about is episode of bardock okay and how that came out um because it was sort of driven by them revealing a card. Correct. And then they kind of merged everything together and did a, just a giant spree of Bardock. Right. Super Saiyan Bardock in the game, Chills in the game. I think Toby was in there as well. So it all mm-hmm. gets thrown together. I don't know. What else can we say about that? Isn't that crazy? It really is. I mean, it's, it's almost my... You just got to sit and look at it and you're like, these numbers look really 
weird, especially I know a while back I posted a bunch of numbers yeah, that we yeah. got from Toei. And you look at those and it was just decline, decline, decline. And then they started to climb a little again. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, now we have Namco Bondi is just like, oh yeah, we're making a profit off Dragon Ball again. We're doing pretty good. I think that's important to note that this was just Namco Bondi. So it's just the merchandise side of things mm-hmm. on their end that doesn't include DVD and Blu-ray sales and income from the TV broadcast of Kai. I, I think it's a good point to bring up because I did look... Um, I know a while back when the whole Kikuchi thing, yeah, yeah, the Yamamoto thing happened, and we had all the controversy that Toei off of their own shop pulled like all the CDs, DVDs, yep, everything. Sure did, yeah. So you couldn't even buy them. Those are all back up now, of course, with the Kikuchi score. Yeah. But they at least have them all back up for sale. Wait, have so, we confirmed that? Have the earlier Kai volumes been re-released in Japan with Kikuchi? Uh, I would imagine through their website they are. Maybe not in stores, like on shelves in Japan. Hmm. It depends on if they pulled them and swapped them out or right, if they right. were just waiting for them to get out of circulation. Oh no, maybe we sure. need a guinea pig on that in Japan. I might send maybe Julian 30 bucks and, <laughs> and see if he wants to order something for me. That'll just you know end up tossing on a shelf anyway. So uh, Okay, so is there anything else to say about that, you guys? Anyone? It's the near-death power-up. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. It's totally happening. Can we go Super Saiyan now? All right, let's talk about Maida. All right, Heath. Uh, I'm here to record, edit, and put in some not-so-clever quips every once in a while. Take it home, dude. All right, so in honor of 291 glorious episodes of the Daisenshu EX podcast... I threw together a little biography of our good pal, Minoru Maeda, not to imply that we actually know him because we do not. Are you on a first name basis with him? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We had three Dragon Ball character designers, and today we're going to talk about Maeda, who was the first and in my opinion, one of the best early Dragon Ball character designers that we could have ever had. He really loved Toriyama. Uh, in fact, he had worked on Dr. Slump prior to this, so he was a really good guy to come right in and take over this new series and take it in a direction that I think really helped it out. It does help that his art style kind of fit everything to begin with. So what we're going to do is talk about him, but I did want to mention that in total we had three character designers. We had, of course, Minoru Maeda, Katsuyoshi Nakasuru, and Tadayoshi Yamamuro. So of those three, we're going to focus on the one for now and save the other two for later because they too are awesome people. Now to begin with, I'm just going to note that as we go through this, there are points that I took out of the interview which uh, all three were interviewed in the Golden War illustration collection that came out in April 2010, which we reviewed on the podcast. I don't know how much detail we actually went into the interviews, but they are up on Constantine. I don't think you had done the interviews yet when we talked about the book. So there you go. Yeah. I gave them to Jake, so... That's right, that's right. All right, so briefly, I just wanted to discuss the credits because I come from a, a credit background. I like to look at those things, and I'm a giant nerd when it comes to credits. So the main note is in Dragon Ball and the first 199 episodes of Dragon Ball Z, they used the credit chief animator. They never actually used the credit character design even though inherently the chief animator did all of the character designs for that beginning part. Gotcha. So Maeda was, in essence, the character designer. He was just never credited in the episodes as such. But oddly enough, they did actually use credit design 
for the first two, well, the first two, the only two Dragon Ball Z TV specials, and he was credited in both of those. Let me ask you this. You're saying he was credited as chief animator. I expect yes. that to mean that he sat and did the majority of keyframes for, you're saying, 1 through 153 and then 1 through 199, but they, that can't be true. No, that is not true. Uh, the basic role of the chief animator is to oversee all the animation production. So okay. he does check the majority of the animation, but each individual episode had its own animation supervisor or director. All right, so it's kind of a misleading title, but... It- it's a very misleading right. title, which I think in part is why they kind of change its character design. It, there are a lot of anime these days that you don't really see a chief animator credit anymore. It is just character design. Gotcha. So it's... It's a, a bit misleading, but overall, he would check the majority of the animation. It did have to be approved by him, but overall, the animation supervisor for that specific episode was in charge of the animation, and then under him would be the key animators. So it was up to the animation supervisor to go over all the key animation, make sure everything was as close to model as could be, and then they'd pass them off to the in-between animators and so on. Gotcha. So Maeda, at that point, would just oversee everything uh, he was very much involved with more of the day-to-day things that were happening, and he would oversee multiple episodes at a given time because during production, you'd have one team working on one episode that was coming out that week, but then they there would be another team working on, say, two or three episodes down the line because a lot of the story had already been written. Yeah, sure, the manga's already out, so they, they kind of know what the story's going to be, and to keep it on a weekly schedule, you, you can't just have one team doing it. Exactly. So these positions, the chief animator and character designer, were always held by an animation supervisor because there were many times where Maeda would actually step in and be an animation supervisor for a specific episode. Okay. And uh, the other ones would do that as well, and it just kind of varied depending on how much workload they had at the time. Gotcha. Uh, But we're, I think, just going to move straight on to his biography here a little. And to start off, we have chief animator for Dragon Ball. And then he went up through the mid-cell arc of Dragon Ball Z. So he was around for a significant portion of the series. Big portion. Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, The other uh, character designers were around at those points in time, but they were slowly moving up the chain. Uh, Before that, he was the chief animation director. As you can see, they kind of changed titles around, and it just seems to be more of a, let's just make up a title and we'll call him (laughs) It really does seem like that. But in essence, he was a chief animator on Dr. Slump, Arale-chan. He really loved Toriyama's work, and when they moved on to do Dragon Ball, he stayed on as a chief animator for that as well. Yeah, put that in perspective. It wasn't just that he did Dragon Ball and DBZ. It was he did all of the first Dr. Slump, Yes, all of Dragon Ball, and then all through the cell arc. And it's really odd because in his interview in The Golden Warrior, he actually talked about he was on when they did the pilot episode oh my God. for Dr. Slump Arale, Sean. He was just a key animator at the time. And I think he said they did a test pilot for that in like 1979 or something like that. I should say, he, he does say in the interview 1979, but he has to be misremembering because Dr. Right. Slump itself didn't start until 1980. Which is really weird. So maybe somebody wanted to make the anime before it actually came out. <laughs> That's true. We're actually at a point where this stuff is older than all of us are. I know. It's really kind of weird. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was around as a key animator at that point. He kind of stuck around and finally he got the chance to be a animation supervisor. And at that point, they had started the Dr. Slump anime and they brought him on. Okay. 
Now, we should note that he himself does not work for Toei Animation. He actually was employed through Studio Junio, which a lot of the animators, except for, I know uh, Nakasuru, he worked for Toei Animation, but a lot of the other ones were actually basically subcontracted out to come in and do certain work. They'd say, hey, we need so many key animators. Let's go to this company. That's interesting. You think, you know, oh, Toei did it. Toei was responsible for this. Yeah, the guys at Toei did it. But, well, sort of. In fact, Toei actually did less work on most of these series than than the outside. Yeah, yeah. Put people actually worked on them. It's really kind of weird because in Dragon Ball, they never really credit studios. They just credit individuals. And by the time we get to Dragon Ball Z... If you ever have a chance, you can even go on Konzentai and, and look through some of the credits for like in-between artists and for key animation artists and things like that. They'll actually note the main studio right away and then all the people from that studio that worked on it. So it's really kind of nice to go back and look at that because you can actually pull out, oh, he worked for this company and sure, such sure. and such. So he actually worked for Studio Junio. Not for Toei Animation, but most of what he did was for Toei Animation, which was kind of odd. Because like we said, he worked for Dr. Slump, which was from Toei. Well, you see that a lot. People end up in... Oh, yeah. They're basically long-term, semi-permanent contract positions. It's you're Mm -hmm. just working for someone else for someone else. It's kind of common. And I think what's less common, though, is the fact that a lot of the staff that was with him for Dr. Slump actually stuck around and stayed with him, at least through most of Dragon Ball. Mm. And a lot of the staff that worked underneath him, I'd say about half of them were from Toei. Gotcha. So it was really kind of weird. They did kind of a collaborative group hmm. effort right. sort of thing. Uh, I did kind of want to touch a little on his animation t- style. So you guys can go ahead and, and throw in on this too. But yeah, sure. I described it as kind of a playfully and simplistically detailed with just like a slight roundness to it and he does note a lot in his interview how much he likes the round style Mm. and he preferred that and this this playful style really really fit Toriyama's early drawing styles for Dragon Ball that he had and it really fit Dr. Slump just as well because everyone's so round I know and and he loved it yeah but you know, as the series progressed, Toriyama's transition to a straight style. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Like, the author is writing you out of a job in some ways. I know. And so his skill set really no longer fit what the series looked like. And I've heard this from many people. I know I've talked to K-17 about it just because I wanted to see what the, the Japanese perspective was. Yeah, what yeah. A lot of people over there thought. And it is speculated. It's never outright said, but... The reason why he left the series was to allow someone that better suited the role of drawing something with a straight style sure. as opposed to his rounded style. And later on in, in his interview, well, they asked him, what was your favorite portion of the series? What le- left a lasting impact on you? And he said, oh, that was probably the first part of the series, mostly because it set up you know, the rest of the series, but more so because... I just love the art style and how well it was and how realistic it looked. So it's really kind of, you know, uh, two tales of what happened and and why he had to eventually leave. Yeah, you think even just comparing the peel-off stuff to the 21st Tenkaichi Budokai, there's enough of a difference already there just because Toriyama is changing the tone ever so slightly. And doesn't he mention how he had a lot of difficulty drawing Super Saiyan Goku? In the interview? Yeah, he was talking about how he had a lot of difficulty even with uh, child Goku in his hair. He's like, it took me forever 
to get that to be drawn correctly. He actually, uh, he actually sent, he spent, I guess, forever drawing up this character chart of young Goku as a kid for the first episode. And he sent it with Toriyama's editor from Toei and he took it to Toriyama. And I guess Maeda was just ecstatic when it came back and there were almost no corrections and Toriyama had given it the thumbs up that oh, everything was good to go. Can you imagine getting that back from Toriyama? Your work is A-OK, yeah. dude. Which, oh God, I'd die, but I can't draw, so. Well, we're, we're kind of already jumping into, Heath, you had some sections here, just interesting facts from the interview and that was one of them. Uh, is there anything else to say mm-hmm. about him struggling with the Super Saiyan hair, just that he did? Uh, Well, he said he... It was kind of weird with the spikiness of it. Mm. It was randomly spiky. And oh man, I always talk about DBZ episode 96. Goku's hair is about seven feet tall. Bigger than his body. Oh my goodness. I mean, they were definitely struggling with what they had to do there. I believe that was a Uchiyama episode. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Are we going to have an episode on Uchiyama? I don't know. We totally could, but that might be even longer than this. I, th- I think the art speaks for itself in uh, Uchiyama's case. But we can talk about him later. I guess we should say before moving on that he is the one with, he's one of the guys with the a bad reputation. Yeah, yeah. And he passed away over the last couple of years. And, uh, two or three years ago, yeah, I think it I was. mean, it, it's obviously sad and devastating to see these people go, but we also want to talk about the art in a critical way. And we, it's not that we mean any disrespect in that regard, but it's yeah, one of those things when you talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So what else do we have from his interview? This is all from Golden Warrior, right? Yes. Uh, the one thing I really found interesting because I've had people ask me this before, you know, or it's come up in discussions. How much of the, the manga did they actually use when they created the anime? Yeah, because the scenes will mirror like panel for panel. And Maeda actually said as Weekly Jump came out, he would take the Dragon Ball manga chapter out and he filed them all and always had them on hand. Yeah. And whenever he was drawing, he would pull out Toriyama's own manga and just use them as a side-by-side comparison because he wanted it to be as accurate to Toriyama's drawings as possible. That's so funny. So you've got people... Well, I mean, we we're already saying he's not with Toei specifically, but just for the sake of argument, we'll say people right. at Toei doing the exacto knife thing and keeping files of the manga from Weekly Jump there. Yeah. Well, and there's even um, in the Dragon Ball Z anime special, they, they do kind of like a brief little run through of how they animated a Dragon Ball Z episode. It's I mean, it's very watered down. They don't go into much yeah, detail, yeah. but there are some pictures in there that which are actually really nice to look at. And there's there's one of them of a key animator. I can't remember, I think it was Sato Masaki, but I, I can't remember for sure. Um, but he was drawing Attention Han at the uh, 23rd Budokai when he's going up against uh, Cyborg Tao Pai Pai. Okay, yeah, yeah. And as he's drawing the keyframe, he has stapled up on the wall... You can tell he photocopied that <laughs> exact panel out of the manga and blew it up. Nice. And it's it's things like that where you're like, that's really good to see. I, I like that. Now, unfortunately, you also run into people like we mentioned Uchiyama, where obviously it kind of looks like he didn't do that. He's drunk at the drawing table. Could be. Who knows? Um, I feel awful like we're, we're soiling the memory of this guy who had such an important no, impact. No, no, no. I don't mean it that way. I'm, just, I'm, I'm sure he was a great guy. Just, right, right. Okay, so back to Maeda here. Uh, so Maeda did say he tried to match Toriyama's current artistic style as much as possible yeah. when we when he went through and drew, which is why I had all the manga chapters around. And he did say, in the case of original episodes, I do the designs while thinking of how Sensei, or Toriyama, would draw it. So 
there's a real sense through the entire interview that he wanted this to be as much like Toriyama as possible. Yeah. Which is, you know, another good thing it's to what see you want. when you hear this from people. And in all these interviews, I will note, everyone just has these glowing things to say about Toriyama. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is just, they loved him. And But then at the same time, you also have to kind of remember, no one's going to come straight out and be like, that guy was a total dick. And yeah, especially Japanese culture here. Exactly. So you kind of got to take it with a little bit grain of salt, but yeah. they do all say they love his artistic style. So at least from that standpoint, I think we can take that for its face value. Sure. And we kind of talked about he would sometimes send character designs and charts to Toriyama through his editor for approval. And we do know from other interviews that other people do that as well. Or Toriyama himself would come to meetings Although, apparently, very rarely, he'd usually just send his editor in his place, and he would send character designs for movies or filler that Toei wanted to do, and they'd say, hey, can you design this character for us? We just want to do such and such. And he'd go, okay, let's just do this. Or he'd say, hey, you know what? I really like baseball. We're going to have Yamcha be a baseball player. Right. And I guess if you want to learn more about that, we've got kind of two places you can go on two sites. We've got a little bit over in the rumor guide on Daisenshu EX and over in your production guide. You've, what do you call it? Toriyama's contributions to the anime? Yes. Okay. So two places kind of break down some of that stuff, show a little bit of the back and forth. And of course, we'll talk about that. We've talked about it on the show many times, but Nakatsuru and Bardock's design and how that went through some revisions. And just like we were saying earlier, just kind of back and forth into the manga from the TV and all that jazz. Now, the odd thing that I've always found, and I've never really gotten an explanation for this, so I've kind of had to infer things from other credits, but okay. Maeda is last credited as an animation supervisor in Dragon Ball Z episode 164. All right, what's 164? We're talking Cell Perfect is yet? is when um, Trunks powers up after Vegeta's been knocked unconscious. Okay. Man, I'm right on there. Yeah, see? We're not <laughs> it's very quite. sad, but it's very impressive, too. Uh, but he's last credited as the chief animator in Dragon Ball Z episode 199. Well, I know that and one. And then that's once the you hit 200, that's where you know we start getting into the Boo stuff, yep, and yep. everybody else steps in and takes over these roles for Maeda. But there's a pretty big gap there. I mean... Right, yeah. We're talking 35 episodes, so it's really kind of weird, and you go back and you look a little closer, and you can see that uh, Nakasuru and Tadayoshi have really kind of stepped in a little. Yeah, the art's already changing. In between these 35 episodes, they were phasing Maeda out and phasing them in, but they left him with the credit. Makes sense from our So that's my theory, but uh, we'll probably never know. Right, yeah. But the more intriguing part to a lot of people I know is what was his other involvement? We know he was involved in the TV series and that's pretty well documented. We know what he's done. So what outside of the TV series has he done? Well, like we mentioned, the Dragon Ball Z TV specials. He's actually credited as the character designer in both TV specials. But I will note, Katsuyoshi Nakasuru is also credited as a character designer in the Bardock TV special. And we do know, which Mike, you've gone over many times, he was the main character designer for Bardock and his crew. So we know that Maeda was involved in that, but we also know that he did not do the majority of all the main character designs. So I'm kind of assuming he did more of the minor characters that appeared 
seeing the background or he did some set designs. Yeah, if you want to talk about character designs from what we usually infer it to mean, everything else in Bardock and then, of course, everyone in the Trunks special, those characters had already been designed, except maybe things like Trunks in that younger form, Mm -hmm. um, Vulma with the different hairstyle. I mean, there are some things that were tweaked a little bit, but... You know, 17, 18 already existed, that kind of stuff. Right. The one odd thing to note, actually, is, you know, we mentioned Nakasuru Katsuyoshi actually was character designer for Bardock and his crew. So in Dragon Ball Z TV Special 1 for Bardock, he's actually the animation supervisor. So he oversaw almost everything that happened. Okay. Um, Maeda, his only real credit is as lead character design. But at the same time, we know he didn't do a lot of the main character designs. So this. So is he just like signing off on things? Yeah, that's kind of my guess. He's kind of signing off. He's just kind of there, more of an honorary credit. Like <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. somewhat involved. So we're just going to throw him on there. Gotcha. But then by the time they come around to doing the Trunks special, he's listed as both the sole character designer and the animation supervisor. Okay. And Nakasuru is nowhere to be seen except, I believe, a key animator. So he's the boss on that one. Right. So it's just really kind of weird how they do some of these things and you see some of the people get shifted around, especially when they're dominant people. Yeah, yeah. Kind of makes you wonder who fights for what. But uh, he is also involved uh, with all three Dragon Ball movies. So he was a character designer on that. But then again, you think to yourself, eh, a lot of that was recycled material. I mean, we had Tao Pai Pai and Suru Senen. Well, you've got like Grudemess and Pasta. Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, other than that, you know, there's not really a whole, much, a whole lot to it. But then we come to the first seven Dragon Ball Z movies, and he's listed as a character designer on all seven of those as well. Although on four, I don't know. Last episode... You and I mentioned that Dragon Ball Z movie four was probably not like, you know, our favorite thing to sit down and watch on a Friday night. Correct. But if you actually go look through the credits, they had the most like top notch credit lineup of any movie like ever in the entire series. Again, they're just drunk working on it. I don't it's like I don't know what they were thinking. They had like three character designers, they had four assistant animation supervisors, they had just like a bajillion key animators. It was like they pulled out all the stops with it, but apparently no one decided maybe we should come up with a better story. Well, maybe that was just a case of too many cooks in the kitchen then. Oh, it I was just be. about to say. Ah, gotcha. I will go on record, though, as saying that I have a considerably higher opinion of Dragon Ball Z movie three than or movie four than you two do. Well, you are banned from this show then, Jake. Oh, well. <laughs> you don't sound That's very fine. upset about that. He doesn't I care. Can live with that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so for all you movie four lovers, Herms has your back there. I thought somebody's got to, right? Yeah, yeah. So up until his departure from the series in mid-1993, which puts us at that roughly, you know, 164-episode count for yep. Dragon Ball Z, Maida was responsible for almost all of the series' promotional illustrations. See, that's really important because, yeah, there's the show, but there's all the crap that goes with it. Oh, yeah. A lot of the promotional posters, like for movies or whenever they would have a Toei festival or a convention or something like that was going on. Yeah, the or they pamphlets would... and the books yeah. and the covers. He did almost all of those entirely. The, uh, the two Dragon Ball Z anime special books, he did... Those, he did the cover art for almost, well, 
the first half, I'd say, of the film animation comic covers. Yeah. Because those came out in all sorts of weird orders. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> and uh, he was the guy who illustrated all three of those uh, side stories that were in the uh, the two anime specials and then the mm-hmm. uh, Bardock TV comic. Right, right. Yep. Correct. So it's just like when you think about all his other stuff that he did outside of the series, it's just crazy. And he did note even in his interview that he's like, well, we would always do movies in the spring and the summer. And so he wasn't quite as involved with the TV series at those points. And then when he'd come back to it, he'd like have this renewed vigor of now I'm going to apply what I learned from doing those movies and maybe help move the series toward looking closer to the manga again and and just kind of was like so he was gone for a bunch of months just doing movie stuff then he'd come back to the tv series then he'd have to go out and draw a bunch of guidebook covers and then promotional illustrations and it's like good god man what didn't this guy do you talk about toriyama getting burned out you could say the exact same thing from ida here yeah so you know, that also could be another reason why he kind of decided to step out of the limelight. Yeah, a lot of stuff there. So I guess the, the last part I really wanted to cover were significant scenes or any sort of designs. Okay, in- yeah, so you can get kind of a feel if none of this means anything to you yet. You can picture some of this stuff from the series. So what I'm going to go through are just episodes where he was the animation supervisor. Oh, man, so- Heath, I'm looking at this list, and I can so vividly picture these. Like, these define the TV series to me. Exactly. That's why I think he's he's one of the better things that could have happened at least early on oh, man, in the Each series. one is just better than the last. So first off... I think we just have to throw out, he was the supervisor for the very first episode of the series. Yeah, first episodes are always great. Which, I mean, it's just gorgeous. And I love the artistic backgrounds. The backgrounds, yeah. I mean, you've talked a lot about uh, the backgrounds in the first Dragon Ball movie and the parallels to, was a Miyazaki movie there? Mm -hmm. Nausicaa. But the first episode as well. I mean, not quite movie caliber, but looks pretty nice. So I think it's just important to note that because... Right off the bat, the very first episode, he supervised it. Yeah. But he's also the entire series supervisor. So he was there through the entire run. He really set the pace with the first episode. And while he did a bunch of other episodes, I'm just going to pick out select ones. And Mike, this one is probably my favorite because if you watch this and you read the manga at the same time, it is so Toriyama, it's ridiculous. Goku is young here, but that look mm -hmm. on his face, that is adult Goku years before he gets to that point. That look on his face, you feel just... I don't even know what that emotion is. And for those of you that can't read the outline, (laughs) we're talking about Goku confronting Piccolo Daimao at King Castle right when they're about to finish Tension Han off and he just shows up. Tension Han's on the ground. Yep. Oh, man. And then, of course, you know, our good old buddy Yamcha, we've talked about this. The first time he ever uses the Sokidon, that was Maeda. Nice. So just kind of in the middle of a fight, something Mm -hmm. rather not a significant scene in the grand scheme of things, but... I always love that scene. Yamcha vs. Shen, great fight. And then I, I had to throw this one in there because I, I know we're going to have our dub friends ask us about it, but Vegeta yelling over 8,000 was also from our buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hold on. He's not really yelling it. He just kind of goes, oh, Okay, he's screaming slash yelling slash saying. How about that? <laughs> okay, that's And fine. then, of course, the favorite that everyone goes to, Goku's first Super Saiyan transformation. Probably one of the most pivotal moments in the entire series. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, there are 
people like if you talk to k17 he'll tell you the exact key animation artist that that did that <laughs> right, right. i believe it was again uh masaki sato but at that point you're going guess what he did the whole episode i don't care what you say <laughs> right and then finally i just threw in there because i really love this episode oh man. confrontation with cell in ginger town that just after the, he's just merged with comedy the pan up on cell as he's holding the dude there that is again impeccable to the original manga version mm-hmm. oh and then when he when he starts doing the kamehameha at the end just charging it and you're panning out and piccolo's just freaking uh and you combine that with wakamoto's delivery in that scene in the original z version just mwah, done put a bow on it yep yep pack it up ship it out so do you guys have anything else that you wanted to add to that? I guess the only thing I had other than that, if anyone owns Dysenshu 3, okay, which is a TV animation part one, there's a, a section in the middle. It's called the Library Adventure. If yeah, you go yeah. through that. Those are all Maeda's original designs for the series. Oh, cool, is cool. Is where those are pulled from. So if you're at all curious what a lot of his design looks like, you know, they printed those up. And I believe part of them are in... Uh, Dysenshu 5, the TV animation part 2 as well, but at some point it starts to transition over yeah, more yeah. towards uh, everybody else. Yeah. Because all the TV animation Dysenshu, they all have galleries of those uh, designs like that, but like you said, the only the first and maybe the second one have Maeda's. Yeah, the, the first one is just strictly because it ends up uh, it's like Ginyu when, like, stuff. Ginyu, Tokusentai show 74, up. I believe. Yeah. DBZ yeah. episode, so. episode 74. So that's still entirely Maeda. So if you want a pretty good idea of, of what that looks like, and the neat part about those galleries is they divide them up by character, so you can actually see each character's progression. And I love Balma's in there, because hers is just, it's got like 50 pictures of every single outfit and hairstyle uh-huh. she ever had. I, I felt so sorry for the man after having to do all that. But There's someone in charge of her outfits alone you know there's a credit somewhere for that and then i uh let's see to finish things up i just the sad point to make is he has not been involved in the dragon ball franchise at all since he left in 1993 yeah it's a shame so you know i guess people got to move on um well just i I guess a, a real quick question then who would be doing all the stuff nowadays like the dragon ball hero stuff is nakatsuru involved in that it's uh yamamuro tadayoshi okay he's done exclusively almost everything oh I, I remember that like when all the kai artwork was coming out that was kind mm-hmm. of a, a big push like oh yamamura was doing this art nakasuru did uh all of the dragon box cover art except for the movies all right yeah that, that... was done by yamamura tadayoshi and then from gotcha. there on out he's basically done everything he did all the dragon ball z single dvds right and... oh, i can totally picture those distinct styles now gotcha so when they took over as character design they essentially took over all of his roles yeah, which yeah is really kind of weird when you think about it. They went from one man doing this for so long, and when they decided, hey, we need a new guy to take over, instead of just one guy, they did two guys. Well, Maida's Superman. Everything. Yeah, he must be. See, were we going to note some of the stuff he's done, since he's not working on Dragon Ball, some of the stuff he's gone on to work on? Yeah, isn't Maida the one doing, I think I mentioned it one podcast episode, it's something based on a girly light novel or something right now. I would have to look it up. But I I'll look it up real quick. You guys stuff. talk about other stuff. I do know that he did the uh, 2001 Captain Subasa series. He was, I guess, chief animator on that. All right, that's something. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I, I think the, the only other note that I had down was that after he left Dragon Ball in 1993, then he formed an independent 
joint animation studio with Hiroshi Wakatsuma and Minoru Okazaki, and they called it Synergy SP, and that was founded in 1998. And it's actually part of the Junio Brain Trust, so it's kind of an independent sub-studio of Studio Junio, who had previously worked for. And the three of them all started together, and it's fully funded by the three of them as well, which people might actually know uh, Minoru Okazaki, he was the uh, series director for Dragon Ball along with Daisuke Nishio. So it's kind of a weird tie-in how the two of them both worked on Dragon Ball and then decided to go independent. All right, so I looked this up. It's called, I thought it was C3, but it's actually C-Cube, a uh, light novel series that Might is doing the anime adaptation of. Uh, looks like I'm, I'm looking at the cover of the first light novel. It's a Moe-looking chick showing her butt off. So that's what Might has moved on to recently, right now. Awesome. Still the rounded style. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> round butts of little girls. So how the mighty have fallen. Oh, he's still mighty. Uh, you know what? If you want to say that, that's fine. I can't really argue with it. I'll just say I don't agree with his current line of work, but still superhero I'm in my eyes. Blinded by his awesomeness. Blinded by a little girl butt. It's kind of frightening. So in a nutshell, that is Maeda. He's an awesome guy who did a lot of stuff. And now you know why we're splitting this up into three episodes, because these guys have a life all to their own, if it uh, isn't obvious by now. All right, Heath, uh, you, you drove your first podcast topic. I'm getting a little scared here. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I've done other podcasts and driven those, but... I, I guess. I don't remember that stuff anymore. That was a long time ago. I don't ago. either, either. We won't speak of those things. So, geez. All right. So, we we did our stuff. We did our news. We did our topic. Uh, I guess I'll mention that contest that didn't quite end yet. So, because our, our podcast got pushed back and things have been busy and I kind of forgot about it, I'm... Uh, maybe uh, we're extending this contest one more week Julian is giving away because he's such a gracious man over there in Japan buy an extra copy of the Psycho Jump March 2012 issue with the bonus DVD it's got episode of Bardock and it's got plan to eradicate the super science full review is up on Daizenshu EX giving that away all you gotta do is send an email contest at daizex.com c-o-n-t-e-s-t at d-a-i-z-e-x dot com it helps if you you put a subject in there helps if you write something to brighten our day you don't get any extra entries for it but the best five of these we are going to read on the show probably next week write a 100 word composition that ends in a pun julian says it doesn't have to be about dragon ball but it helps 100 words or less ends in a pun best five we'll read on the show doesn't help you but it makes me laugh and uh when i'm happy i give more stuff away so that's the contest extension we're gonna bring this to a close uh jake thanks for hanging out this episode uh it's good to hear from you and have you on the show and put that microphone to use yeah exactly all right figure for use it Two, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Get a boom stand one <laughs> yes, day. Yes, we're working on that. All right. And uh, Heath, thank you, sir, for uh, slapping this together for me. Yeah, no problem. Why don't you uh, give the Cotton Zetten Tie a plug? You can find Jake and myself over at Constantai, which is K-A-N-Z-E-N-T-A-I.com. And you can basically find most of the stuff that we've talked about That's over right. there if you're so interested. <laughs> yeah, check out the uh, Golden Warrior. We talked about the art on the show over here. You show it off over there, show the interviews. We got you covered, man. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's what we do. 
All right, so this was episode 291 of our show. Like I said, we want to dedicate it to great content, and I think we got that covered here. A great tribute to 291 episodes of the show, plus 153, and Dr. Slump before that with Maida's incredible work. So we'll be in your ears next week with 292 of our show. Hopefully we can get that GT review of awesomeness number three. If you're playing along at home, that is episodes 11 through 15 of Dragon Ball GT. So look forward to that talk, hopefully with our buddy Jeff and Julian. I'm hoping can actually join in live on a GT review. He keeps... Uh, he's going to get sick again. I, I know. He's going to have some excuse to not be able to do it, but... Uh, he's just... <laughs> Just doesn't want to watch GT. I know. I don't blame him. He's turning into Mr. Satan. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got a dummy ache. Oh. So what's the trick? Is just the show itself a trick? It doesn't really exist? Exactly. Okay. We've got it all figured out. So join us next week for 292 and great content, great times. Oh, we got to mention this before we jump away. I think most of us, we're going to do our best to all join together. Anime fans give back. Oh. We're uh, we're doing that next week. Uh, I think right now we're tentatively scheduled for Saturday at 1130 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to be there. Heath, I think you're going to be there. Julian's yep. going to try and be there from Japan. Maybe Mary will come downstairs and maybe Jake will show up too. I don't really know, but at least two of us will be there it is confirmed well mostly confirmed i think that's yeah, mostly our tentative time slot right now it was open Last i talked to zach i don't know <laughs> we'll figure that out so pay attention to their site their twitter uh our buddies over the one piece podcast are running that again this year what did they raise last year was it thirty five thousand dollars yeah that sounds about right i think they're pushing for 50 this year so yeah we want everyone to tune in it's going to be streams live uh so be and sure to check that no out no idea what we're going to talk we about we don't really but i mean we've got one piece people we've got dragon ball people there's sure to be good times had by everyone somewhere in the middle there i think we can accomplish that so so we'll end up on Toriko. Yeah, well, that's true. Maybe we'll get preempted. I don't think I've talked to Greg since then. That's kind of weird. Oh, this is going to be fun. I haven't talked to Greg in a while either. You think about Greg Werner. I mean, that name goes back further than I do. And he's just been this, he transitioned so naturally over there to One Piece. Well, uh, for a while when uh, the Dragon Ball live action movie was coming out and then when Kai was first coming up. I think I would get an email from him at least once once a month. Oh, I know. Hey, here's what's going here's on stuff. in Japan. Yep, yep. Like, thanks, Greg. I love you. Good times. All right. So there's that reminder. Uh, we heard about Constantize. So for those dudes over there, for me, my name is Mike Vegito EX. I can't even remember if I said that at the beginning of the episode. I'm a terrible host. Uh, for them, for me, for Mary, for Julian off in Japan www.daizex.com It's been a pleasure. We will see you next week for 292 as we step into the Grand Tour. Oh god, I wish you didn't say that. I totally just did. <laughs>